This is Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of BC, brought to you by Sitka Come along as we bring conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Precision Optics. Thank you Sitka Gear and Precision Optics for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. How's it going, buddy? Good, you? I can't complain. I'm a little stiff, a little sore, a little bit uh, worse for wear and a little bit uh, short of my sleep. But other than that, I'm freaking awesome, man. Yeah, yeah. You went out and put in some work, did you? Yeah, so it got, um, I, I think some of the listeners that have been on the podcast, I got drawn for doll sheep, me and another guy uh, in Region 6. Uh, hard to believe, I know, that you'd find doll sheep in Region 6. And um, yeah, northwest part of British Columbia. And uh, yeah, really lucky to get the draw. We got the draw 10 years ago. And yeah. Uh, just shit house luck to be frank um but i'll take luck over good any day and uh yeah so we we've been planning that since we got the draws and in, in the springtime there and just uh it was awesome so we were really fortunate my partner and i 10 years ago we doubled on doll sheep on the morning on our of uh, the opening morning of the doll sheep hunt and and uh yeah just uh, was super pumped for this trip so awesome now did you did you stick to a, a training program before this, prior to the hunt, or you, did you? Do I look like I'm on a training program, Greg? Yeah, you're shredded right now. From what I can see, I'm on my training program. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's the common, and so I uh, I took the occasion since I was casting with my good buddy Rensmag, I pulled out some Chadwick. So we should be drinking the Dull Sheep or whatever the heck it is, but. Uh, since we don't have our doll brand out yet, I had to. I sort of had bend the rules and go with the Chadwick, but it is thin horn, so. Yeah, I, I settled for uh, a California Common from Trench Brewing with the the big horn on it. Since we haven't ran doll with that either, so. Nice. So I guess we probably should do a doll sheep run now. So. I, yeah, I think we should go doll across the board here. I don't know. It seems fitting. Yeah. So for any of our listeners that don't know about that, we've got. Uh, our line of whiskeys, uh, well, scotch. Uh, well, actually, they're not scotch, are they? They're whiskeys. Yeah. And uh, so we did the Blue Bunch, was a, which was uh, to mirror the California Bighorn, and that was a bourbon-style whiskey. And then Chadwick was a single malt. And uh, and then we've done the, the beers. We've done two beers now, is it? Yep. Yeah, we've done Stones and we've done Bighorn with, nice. with Trench. So we're due for some new stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So training program. Uh, yeah, I did. So uh, the that was an interesting one. It was uh, I, I was pretty focused when I got the doll sheep draw. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get in shape this year, like I do every single year. And uh, um, so I Mountain Tough Fitness uh, set us up with. Uh, me and Jesse Bone on a couple of training programs. We had their sort of all-access pass. And I followed that religiously for the first nine weeks of the program, and it was awesome. It was a great program. Um, but then, uh, you know, life throws you the curveball. <laughs> and I, I sort of fell off the wagon on the last half of the program. Hit and miss. Um, but uh, I will say that Mountain Tough Fitness program was fantastic. I uh, really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it was it's a great program. It's uh, really well laid out. 
and you know just again discipline right and the first nine weeks was fantastic um and you know what like i i didn't get much training in in the last half of the program um and a lot less than i have in previous years but that first half of the program set me up so well and i actually felt that i performed pretty well in the mountain so um i wasn't um i wasn't looking like greg McHale out there i'll tell you that right now but uh I did all right. So yeah, you didn't didn't run up the mountains and uh, just take off from your partner. No, no. And the good thing was is he he hadn't trained quite as hard as he had in previous years. So we're, you know, he's still in way better shape than me. He's a super fit guy. I've got a few years of youth on his on my side, um, but um, yeah, it worked out really well. And uh, I, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just healing up here. It, I just got out of the mountains on on Sunday. Got home Monday. And I'm going to give myself a week or two to recover here, but I'm going to jump right back on the saddle on that program. And, uh, you know, they have a multitude of programs. They got like a 16-week program. They got a four-week program. They've got all over the map. They've got off-season, on-season, um, a really, really diverse group of uh, programs. And I, I haven't figured out what I'm going to do yet, but that's my next thing. So um, taking the week off, and then I'm going to get right back at it and start hitting it again because, uh, yeah, it's a great program. I love what they they've done there. I've used them in the past a little bit, like hit and miss, and uh, I'm really convinced of the program. And I th- I think if I would have stuck with the program, I would have been chasing sheep around the hills. But <laughs> anyway, that didn't happen. So yeah, I know their program seems pretty good, and you can get one tailored to you almost. And there's there's lots to choose from to start your fitness level, so you don't overdo it right off the bat and easy into mm-hmm. getting in mountain shape or mountain tough shape. I- well, and I like about it, Greg, is that it's specific to mountain hunters, right? It's uh, it's really dialed in. Like a lot of these programs, they're you know for whatever that you know that, and unless you go get a custom program done, but even then, I think some of those custom programs they don't really understand what we do in the mountain hunting side of things. And Dustin and the crew over there at Mountain Tough, they they definitely know what they're doing. It's very tailored to you know sheep hunting, elk hunting, that sort of stuff. So yeah, oh, right on. So you got a, being on the island, you got a bit of a journey to get to where you need to go for uh, some doll sheep. How, how long does that take you? Because it's, it's, um, it's got to be a, a stretch. Yeah, it's, um, we actually flew up to Whitehorse and then flew back into BC. So, oh, perfect. Um, yeah, so that's uh, logistically, that's some of the challenges that you're faced with there. So, um, yeah, it's, it is a bit tough um, in that regard. Because uh, if you were to drive, it'd be like a thirty-hour drive, right? So it was, uh, it was definitely a, a bit of a bit of a long haul up there. But uh, yeah, when you jump on Air North for two hours, it's not too bad. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Were you, did you fly into a lake or you go on land? Uh, or if you're allowed to say, well, you can keep. Quiet I can't really, I can't really disclose that. So yeah, that's the one good. thing. Okay, so um, Mike and I were hunting together. Mike didn't want to do the podcast. He's uh, he's a bit of a shy guy. He doesn't mind talking about nuts and bolts. But uh, he was on from one of our earlier podcasts to talk about nutrition and fitness. But he he didn't really want to come on to talk about the hunt. Um, and that was one of the things is we couldn't give away our secret spot. And and truth be told, just like sheep hunting. Um, somebody gave me that spot, um, and out of respect to them, I'm just being respectful and, and can't really give that away. Um, you know, that said, I had some friends that got drawn after me the year after me in 20, 2013 when we got drawn there. And, um, I reached out to the guy that gave me the spot and, 
and hooked the, those two guys up and he gave him his spot. So, um, yeah, but if, if I, if I shared my location, if I could put the red mark on here, I'd probably not get any help in the future, but yeah. you know, Greg, that's the cool thing about the society is that that was my first show. I went to uh, wild sheep society, BC convention in, uh, it was in, uh, Cologne at the time. And, uh, I didn't know anyone. I walked in that room and there was a guy I knew online, Trevor Carruthers of all people. <laughs> uh, I knew him from hunting BC or some other forum like that. So I kind of knew him and I, I, you know, we figured out pretty quickly who he was. And then he, he heard I got drawn for doll sheep and he introduced me to a friend of his. And literally we sat down and half an hour later he drew an X on the map. He literally did. So, um, that's one of the cool things about the society is it is a bit of a sort of, uh, a fraternity of guys and gals that really look after one another and try and support each other and do what they can to, to you know, be successful out there and also mentor and and give people good guidance on on looking after the resource too, right? Yeah, well, and you know, at the the banquet nights, a little bit of liquor flowing in the room, some guys loose loose lips going on, and you know, I've had a couple guys actually draw X's on maps literally for me <laughs> haven't gone to the places but it's 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 pretty neat when you're there and if you if you're willing to talk and you're seem like a nice person there's a lot of guys in that room that will help you out so make yeah. sure you come to the next well, show <laughs> and that's for me that's what happened was uh you know i was interested in sheep hunting i didn't really know what to go where to go what to do and it was Dave Marsh was on, he was on, big on hunting BC back in the day. And what was his name? Big Boar. And yeah. uh, he was always going off and he's like, you know, if you want to be a sheep hunter, you got to go to Kamloops or Cologne at the time and, and come to the show. And like, that's where sheep hunters hang out. That's where you're going to find out stuff. And nothing could be more accurate than that. That is the place to go if you want to figure out what to do and, and uh, where to go. Absolutely. I guess we get back to the the nitty gritty. We derailed there for a second. So you're going in for dolls, gone to your secret location. Now it's time to to pick the Kyle Stelter sheep. What 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 are you looking for in your sheep? Uh, old and uh, curly, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, like people to say, oh, lamb tips or broomed or whatever. And I just want an old sheep, honestly. Like, I just want something. Um, and it, I don't care how he scores. Score means nothing to me. Um, and I know, sorry for all you guys that are <laughs> score hounds out there. And for those that are, it's awesome. It's wicked. And, you know, the more it scores, the better because you're shooting an older, more mature sheep. That's a good thing. Uh, but for me, I don't really care. And I didn't really care about broomed or, you know, lamb tips or whatever. But I've always, the two rams I've got both had their lamb tips. And, uh, spoiler alert on this one, we shot something different and, uh, <laughs> my tune has changed a little bit. So, um, yeah, not, not too fussy. So just looking for mature yeah. and whatever excites you at the moment, I guess. Well, the thing for me that I set for my goal on this, Greg, was that, um, I, I shot a nine-year-old last time I was in there and he was 36 inches. So not, not a massive cranker, but really solid Ram. Um, and I, my goal was to best that. So, um, I wasn't going to shoot an eight year old, wasn't going to shoot, um, anything less than kind of 36 inches type thing. So yeah, those were kind of my two goals was to, to best what I'd done previously. And, and, uh, that's kind of what I had in mind. So, 
no it's good everybody's got their their goals and their targets and that's a it's a noble one to to best your previous because you know you can end up being a one sheep kind of person if that's where you go and there is a lot of guys out there that focus on that same kind of mentality they won't 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 take one unless they best their previous so that's that's good mm-hmm. it's good for conservation too so mm-hmm. i guess we're we got to preach that i guess or practice what we preach so that's well, that's just it, you know. Um, you know, and we've we've seen it. We see guys shoot six-year-old, seven-year-old rams, and and the fallout from that. And uh, I've I've been fortunate enough to be on a couple of quite a few now um, kills and had a couple of my own. So if I started bringing home something like that, I probably wouldn't be good. And and you know, and and for sure, I I totally agree. It makes sense. So we we have to be smart about what we harvest and do what we can to to look after the resource for sure. So yeah. So back to the hunt. So what's the, the the typical day for Kyle? What what's your what are you doing? You're waking up, you start glassing, or do you go somewhere, find a good spot? Well, I can give a bit more detail. So we did fly it was a fly in trip, so that's there's no secret there. And um and the thing is is um you land down low. You like like we're landing on um at at the water. So um, you gotta, you gotta get up on the mountain. So, um, we kind of hung out down by the water for the first couple of days. So we, we got in really early. We got in on the 29th. So we had three days to play, to burn, well, two days to burn before the opener and, uh, just glassing and, um, trying to figure out where the Rams were and, um, got in, I think around, uh, it was probably about two o'clock. And about three thirty, I seen the first ram. I'm like, ram curls. So that was pretty exciting. When you see that first dull sheep, and you know, I, I don't know how it's for you, like Greg, but uh, when you see a dull sheep, it's just something special because you don't see it every day. Like you know, we've, you know, we see big horns and we see stone sheep, but we don't, we don't get to see, um, we certainly don't get to see um, dolls like that. Certainly not in BC. So that first ram steps out and. And that's the beautiful thing about hunting dolls in August. Like they're they they stick out like dogs' balls, right? So, um, you know that first one stepped out and then uh, started glassing, and they're about two miles away, two and a half miles away, and got the glass on them. And then we seen eight that night. They were just kind of cruising around, and we watched them. Um, they were on this bench, and then they fed out, and they were eating, and then they fed over to the backside, um, over the ridge, and and off they went. So. We're like that was a great start, you know. Day day one, and we're already on eight sheep, so uh, all rams. It was a bachelor herd, and then um, they kind of fed off probably around eight nine o'clock at night, and uh, got up early in the morning, first light. Uh, got up at four thirty, stepped outside. Nope, went back to bed because it was still <laughs> you couldn't see see across uh, across the water. Um, got up about you know just around six o'clock and went and glassed and, and we went glassed all day never seen a thing um never seen but we've seen goats seen some goats that was pretty cool seen some grizzly bear and uh and then we we're like okay and then we just so we spent the day in camp and then the next day um that was the day before the opener we we started hiking up so um we had to cross some glacial streams and um we actually brought an inflatable boat with us for that and we had a really, really hard time trying to get across those streams because the, the it was hot, hot, hot weather, like 30s, and the they were the streams were really swollen. So we tried to cross that night, um, the I guess the night of the 30th, 
and we couldn't get across. But nighttime's always worse. You always want to cross in the morning, but we just thought we'd try it at night to see the worst case scenario. So we got up the next morning and we're like, okay, we're going up and uh, tried crossing. And, um, you know, we tried rowing across and it was just so rough. You couldn't, and the current, like a current seemed like it was doing 20 miles an hour. And I think it was, um, I, you know, a water guy would probably say I'm full of BS, but it was fast and you couldn't roll across it. You just get into the current. It got choppy and then it would just take you down river. And it was just like, so eventually I, I had my Crocs and my poles and I was able to do it on, I tried about 15 different spots, finally found a sweet spot and got across. And then we just used ropes back and forth to get across. So got across that. It took about two hours to, cause it just took forever to get, then there was all these different braids and trying to get across. Got across, got our packs up, figure the packs around 70, 75 going up. We had, uh, I think, 11 days worth of food with us. And um, so pretty heavy. And, we, you know, we had some pretty lightweight accommodations. We got, had a new t- uh, sleeping setup this year. It's a uh, the Durston X Pro 2 and a pretty cool setup. It's like a pound and a half with the, the poles and everything. So, but, you know, when you start adding... You know, every day of food, if you're if you're really lightweight, it's at least a pound of food. And in some guys are two pounds. We're one point six seven, I think, or one point just just shy of one point seven. So, you know, do the math. One point seven times twelve, we're twenty pounds of food there alone. And then, you know, so we're it was it was heavy enough and uh got across and then we're like, Okay, and we figured we could get to the top in one fell swoop and it was just it was so hot and so intense. Again, high 30s or mid 30s. It wasn't high 30s. 32, 33, 30. We, at times it was 35. Mike's got a temperature thing on his watch. If you take it off, it'll give you an accurate reading. And it was 35 a couple times. And um, just plodding, plodding, plodding. And then, and then it gets... That's the one thing about that Region 6 area. It's just a lot of it's pretty steep. It's kind of up and down. And uh, so we're climbing in the middle of the day in that intense heat and and uh, so we you know it took us longer we figured 30 minutes across this the, the streams it took us over two hours and um and then of course you deal with your boat and all that sort of stuff and and uh we just hiked all day and finally at eight eight nine o'clock at night i was just done i was like i just said i'm, I'm finished that's it this is as far as we're gonna go so we're on a bench about three quarters of the way, well, we're 80% to the top. We just got, you know, we're just the last bit to go. And um, it's just, it's just like, it's a 20 degree grade. And I set up the new uh, Durston and uh, it's not meant for uneven territory. It was literally one night, uh, it's it's a two man, right? I looked down and Mike's just piled up in a, a ball in, in the corner in the at the bottom of the tent because <laughs> everything just slid down. It's interesting. We we both run Xtherm. I've got an Xtherm Pro um, from Neo, a Neo Air Light, and um, mine's eleven years old. I bought it ten years ago. When I well, it's it'll be eleven years this year. I bought it ten years ago from my doll sheep hunt back then, and it's got this really adhesive bottom, and it sticks really well. So I, I was on a pretty good slope, but it, the the mattress stayed there. And Mike had bought a brand new one this year, and there's no adhesive, and he just <laughs> skidded right down. <laughs> He was piled up right in the corner. It was pretty funny. So um wasn't the best sleep, but uh and then uh up at first light the next morning and um didn't even really have any breakfast, a couple protein bars and packed our gear up and we we're up on top. We we topped out around 
I don't know, it was I don't know, one, two o'clock in the afternoon by the time we got to the top and got camp set up. And then um, we kind of went to our secret honey hole where we'd gotten our two sheep 10 years ago. And it, that's kind of where they fed that direction. And, and of course, uh, the sheep gods were good to us 10 years ago, so why not go back to where you were? So we waded up uh, into that area where we'd, we'd been before. And um, it's a big kind of plateau-like area, and, and but a big valley with um, uh, really sheepy terrain. And we get up there, and it's it's the weather's not great. It's kind of stormy, a little bit of fog, a little bit of rain, just kind of typical mountain weather, changing by the minute. But it's certainly not a sunny day at that point. Um, thunderstorms were rolling in and that sort of stuff. And, um, so we're like, well, we better get off the middle of the plateau. So we kind of went off to the, I guess the South side of it and found a spot and hunkered down. And right away, Mike goes Rams. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, right. And, uh, yeah, no, there was 14 Rams bedded across the valley. Um, he, I think he ranged them about 1200 yards, 1300 yards, somewhere in there. Uh, my my range finders won't go that far, but he's due, and he, I think he's going out to twelve hundred, and they were just beyond that. So um, we got a good look, and he's looking, and and he's like, oh yeah, and and I've I'm well, we're both glassing, but he's got the spotter, and he's like, oh my god, there's a <laughs> cranker in there, and uh, the words you want to hear, right? And he goes, yeah, there's a no brainer in there. He goes, it's just, and then so we we watched him, and uh, yeah, fourteen bedded down. And this obviously the same group from the previous night, the eight, and then they obviously, you know, jumped, got together with another band of six and there were, there were 14 bedded there and they were just hanging out and just, you know, doing nothing and just, uh, waiting for the right moment. And then all of a sudden we watched them for about half an hour. Now there were three or four in there that were good Rams as well, um, beyond that one. So there was lots of young guys, like there was three, four year olds, a few seven-year-olds, um, sublegal anyway, six, seven-year-olds. And then there was a couple really, really good rams in there, but the one that just, like, it, it, he stood out, like, body-wise, everything. You know, I I looked at him through the um, the binos, or the spotter as well, and you could he was just clearly past the nose. He didn't have to count rings. He didn't have to do anything. Had good mass. He was broomed. And it was just like, wow, that's a great ram. So, go ahead. I was gonna say, who who decides to shoot? You guys flip a coin, or you spotted it's yours kind of deal. Well, we still hadn't decided that. So, <laughs> but the one thing about it is we're both pretty selfless, um, you know, um, and we kind of have a rule: if you spot it, it's your ram to refuse. To refuse. Now, Mike's killed quite a few rams, so I, I I'm kind of. Uh, you know, he's a bit better at <laughs> spotting. He's, he's got more experience than I do or better eyes or he's just more talented, one of the three or all. But uh, so anyway, uh, at this point, we hadn't even discussed it, um, but we've never had an issue before. But the sort of the go-to rule is if you spot it, it's your ram. It's, you have the right of first refusal. And uh, unless like at the start of it, we're like, we establish it. No, the next ram's yours. And we've done that a few times. Uh, Mike's killed... Uh, two stone sheep in a row and so like if we were on a stone sheep hunt I would I'm sure I would have been up we didn't discuss it because we weren't hunting stone sheep but we both got dull sheep last time around um, and we hadn't really discussed it so um, so that uh, we still hadn't had that discussion yet which is not really a good time to be discussing it so <laughs> for anyone that's new 
have that discussion ahead of time with your partner, like unless, you know, there's a dominant type A guy that can push one around or you're willing to have a fist fight on the mountain or whatever, but you probably should have some sort of system figured out. But we're we're pretty chill about it and uh, and that's kind of our go to rule anyway. So um we're sitting there glassing them and then, you know, there's been qu- quite a bit of thunder activity and then this massive cell rolls through and it just goes zero, zero. So we got our rain gear on, we're hunkered down and it's just like bordering on heavy rain, moderate to heavy rain, but just the cell, right? Just passing through. Yeah. And it, it seemed to like be there two minutes, but it was probably there for 10. It was, it seemed to go by pretty quick and all of a sudden it passes and clears out and there's rams 300 yards from us like <laughs> they, they they fed down and it's incredible man it's insane they were 1100 yards away 1200 yards whatever it was 13 whatever i said and the shower comes in and then all of a sudden they're like 300 yards from you like they just covered a thousand yards in like minutes and they used that opportunity to obviously they felt safe to cross the area because Nothing could see them, no predators, I guess. I, I don't really know how they think, but uh, they come, they were, they're down there and there's two young rams, they were young rams, they were seven-year-olds, we figure, and they're just feeding and we're like, there's just the two of them and Mike's like, they're right there and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> and uh, so we're just kind of watching them and then all of a sudden, and I'm kind of hiding back, like he's got the spotter and stuff. And then the big guy walks out and usually the big guy is the last guy to walk out, right? Like, uh, or, you know, you're kind of waiting on him, but he walked out, which was not good for him and, uh, cruises out and, and Mike's like, he's out. And I'm like, I'm dude, you better take him. And he goes, he goes, no, no, no. He goes, you take him. And I said, no, you spotted him. He's your, your rep. And he's like, okay, didn't take a lot of convincing. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, yeah. but he did offer it. So, um, and um, so we arrange him, um, and he goes, okay, well, let's let's wait because there was fourteen, and there was I'm pretty sure there was two or three. Well, I know there was a couple other legal ones in there, but they were young, like they were eight. Um, but I think there was some bigger ones than that in there. So we're like, let's let's just chill out, see if the other ones come out. So we sat there. Mike was holding on him. He was all set up. We had him ranged. We ranged him at 350. He was all set up. Got him. He's got his, his turret all set up. He's got a really good setup, really comfortable with it. He's shooting uh, uh, Fierce with a VX6 on it, uh, Leopold. And um, it's uh, 7 mil and just really good setup. We've been to the range, went to the range about a month ago, and the thing was just like we're shooting 500 yards and we we're shooting two, three inch groups at 500. So, um, he was feeling really confident. He had a great rest and he's like, he's okay. I'm just going to wait. And then he started feeding away from us. Right. And I'm like, okay, he's at 360, And, and then we're looking and there's, there's kind of a ridge right there. And then the other two were kind of screwing around and I'm like, dude, I, I'd hate to blow this, trying to be selfish and wait for those others to come up. Because truth be told, we don't even know if there's a, a shooter in there for sure. Like we, we had a look. We think there was a shooter in there, but we're like, ah, oh, geez. I, I, I said, dude, I don't think we should screw around. I, th- I think you should take him. He was like, okay, I'm going to. So, um, sitting there watching, got the binos up, and uh, and you can hear the whoop. He just he hit he hit the sheep clearly, but 
and the sheep just stands there and he takes like two steps and doesn't really do anything. And then he turns 90 degrees directly away from us. So all we see is a white ass and horns and, uh, Mike's sitting there pretty patient. He's got another one racked and we're sitting there hanging out and he's waiting and, um, I can see his legs starting to shake and he's like, he's like, I'm afraid he's going to run. And I'm like, I'm like, sure, give him another one. And he shoots again and he just drops like a sack of hammers. And, uh, just like, wow. Like, and he was a good ram. Like I, I'd only looked at him really well through the binos and you could just see well past the nose and like heavy broomed and just, just a beautiful ram. So, um, high fived. And they were like, but we're like, well, let's just sit here and wait and see what comes out. Right. So, um, those two rams that were with them, they just hung out and they just kept eating. And they were like, they were kind of looking at their buddy going, Hey buddy, like, why are you laying there? Like, that's kind of a weird position, <laughs> but they just sat there and fed. And so we sat there for over an hour and, um, kind of waited for those, you know, the 14 rams to come out and eventually eight of them did. Um, so the original, uh, I guess eight that were maybe seen or whatever, but the other six, um, they never did come out. So finally we started to get dark and, um, you know, like I said, we waited over an hour and I just said to Mike, I said, screw it, but let's just go down and get them. Like we want to get some field pictures while it's still daylight and, and get them processed and everything. And, and so we ambled down and uh, picked up an absolute slob of. Uh, uh, he's he's beautiful. Um, I uh, we we roughed him. I think he's eleven. He's got a an, uh, there's a age line in there. There's a growth ring in there that he might be twelve. I my years and years of li- li- listening to Bill Jex, I'm going to call it eleven. I think that's there's a falsy in there, but he could have had a really soft year. Like it's one interesting because it it's quite short and you're like, well, it looks false, but it also goes all the way through the, the horn. It's not just like on the, you know, on that inside face, um, or outside face. It's the, like, it's through the back of it and everything. So he could be 12, but he's a, he's a solid 11, um, probably two inches past the nose. Um, even though he's broomed, uh, significantly. So if he wasn't broomed, it'd be insane what he'd look like with lamb tips. <laughs> and he's just got really good mass. I roughed him in camp. I, I, uh, I took a piece of string and I used my hiking pole and I, I measured it out and I was trying to figure out and I was like, holy shit, I think he's 39, but I think I stretched the tape a little too much and we got him back to civilization and he was just shy of 38. But just that, the, the deciding feature on him is his uh, mass and and the fact he's broomed just a beautiful beautiful old ram and crazy enough like his teeth were perfect like it you know you'd think a 12 year old or 11 12 year old ram like that um but his his incisors were intact his molars were perfect everything was perfect like i've never seen uh like if that was a region seven ram that age it'd be not much left for teeth i don't think so um that's impressive pretty cool so there were some high fives at that point, I'll tell you. Yeah, I bet the, especially if you were sitting watching it for so long too, just uh, getting the jitters the whole time. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be yeah. It's always a tough go. I I've never had that opportunity on a big ram, so it's uh, I know what it's like with deer, moose, and everything else. But <laughs> big ram. Well, it it takes a lot of patience, and uh, if you listen to the podcast from this past week that we did with Chris, he talks about that one guy that, you know, there was a cranker of a ram and his buddy sat there and waited for Chris to, to get a chance on his so that Chris could kill his ram with, with a bow, I think he said. So, 
um, pretty impressive when guys do that. It shows a lot of selflessness, right? Um, cause you just want to get that, that thing on the ground and, and to sit there and wait that long. is pretty impressive. So, yeah, those are, uh, those hunting partners, you don't give up. They're few and far between. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Hold on to them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. Right on. Yeah. So now the work begins. The real work. You've, oh, buddy. Yeah, it, was it, still, it was a long night. Still hot? <laughs> yeah, it was still hot. Like all, the outside, you t- like to touch. Like if you touched him and like usually when you walk up to an animal, it's, you know, it's piping hot and it wasn't like that. But, you know, we're skinning them and, and caping them and, well, we didn't cape them, but taking the cape off and, and just processing them. And yeah, he was still hot when we were cutting into him and stuff like that. But it was a long, bloody night. It was, uh, we, we worked late, late, late. I think, uh, I think we finished processing them around one thirty, two o'clock. And, uh, and of course, like those days are 35 degree days, right? So, um, you, you can't, you can't, you're going to lose that meat if you don't do something. So we ended up, there was, uh, really heavy snowpack it's 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 all glacier stuff like there's glaciers there's glaciers below us right and uh so we went and found some snowpack and you know dug down and dug two feet down and buried the buried all the meat and the 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 hide the the cape in there as well and um yeah so i think we finished up around 1 30 got everything buried around two and got to back camp around 2 30 and then uh crawled into the tent around three and without any meal or anything like that so um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, it was one for the books and, uh, pretty exciting for sure. It's a, it's a long day with no food in your system too. I bet you the, the next morning was a little rough for you boys. Yeah. Well, I'm still just shattered. Like that's the, that's the one thing is it when you do these late season hunts or early season hunts way up North, um, the days are so bloody long, right? Like the sun's coming up at five and it's going down at 10, so you've you've literally got seventeen hours of hunting, right? So, you know that's seven hours of sleeping, and that's if you if you're not eating after dark or eating before you go in the morning before it, the sun comes up. So it makes for some pretty long days. So I, I was pretty pretty knackered by the end of it. So did you guys have access to water up top, or was it just what you brought in your bags from the bottom? Yeah, no, we did thankfully because then that would have been a different animal. Um, and, uh, there was a, a, that was one of the things is we, as soon as we got up on top, we wanted to f- set up close to a stream and we found a beautiful spot to set up camp. We dropped our bags and, um, Mike was going to talk to a man about a horse and I was going to look, go look for water. And I walked about 50 feet and I could hear water running and I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, so we had water like 200 yards from camp and it was per- like a really nice mountain stream. And, um, we, we, we we tried to stereo pen it, but in the end we just gave up because it was. <laughs> it, but it was, it was run. It was running pretty solid. Like unless something had, you know, a sheep had taken a crap or a bear taken a crap in it, you were going to be fine, right? So it was a pretty fast running little stream, and and so it was. It was perfect. It was. It was beautiful. So, so you didn't have to go swimming and bury your face in the water after thirty five degree weather, dealing with a sheep, top of the mountain, fully exposed. <laughs> Yeah, in grizzly country, like there was literally a grizzly, um, right, right there where we came up. Like when we're coming up, we're like, the the grizz walks over the ridge, and we're like, I think that's where we want to set up camp, and we did set up camp there. But the, you know, it's crazy. We've been up there now twice. Uh, well, I've hunted grizz up there too. I did a spring grizz hunt there in 
16, I think it was, 2016, maybe. In the same area? Somewhere there. Uh, same, in the same zone anyway. Yeah. Um, in, uh, but not, obviously not up on the mountain like that. Um, and uh, they're, the Grizz are just super, they're super um, respectful. They don't want anything to do with you. Like they, we've never had any issue with bears, period. And we've seen a lot of bears and we've seen a ton of bear sign. Like every day you'll get up and you'll go, you know, go to where you go to the bathroom or go to get some water and there'll be bear tracks over top of your tracks, but you'll never see them. Um, and that, and daily, like it's without, without fail. So they're there, but you never see them. And, uh, you know, we, we had Mike's sheep was in camp. Um, we kept that meat in that glacier, like in that snow and it was all fine. It was all like no, never got touched by a predator ever at all. And the carcass, even we keep kept an eye on the carcass. And uh, I, I don't think anything touched it the whole time we were up there. I think we hunted for another three or four days afterwards, and nothing touched the carcass. But I think Greg, the issue is is the, the non-issue is is there's just so much uh, abundance of berries and fruit and stuff that they're really well fed, right? And it's a really veggie uh, dense veggie area like there's tons of grass like a, like I said you know that Mike's sheep was 11 12 years old and had perfect teeth and you know like in region 7 they'd be gnawing in the sand trying to get that last little piece of nutrient absolutely and in that in region 6 there, there's just so much abundance of of grass and stuff so they they do really well and I think the grizzly bears are the same they just they don't need to eat humans or grizzly or sheep meat because they've got uh all kinds of berries and everything that's easy to get and probably fish when they come through too, right? So, Yeah, I know. And that's, it's, I've noticed that as well, like hunting region seven and you shoot a moose and you, you check out the carcass the next day and there's nothing like there's zero. The grizzlies were there. Wolves have ran through the fishers, the wolverines, the martins, everything's had their fair share. But then in six, like, uh, you know, we've, we've had a few successful hunts for moose and caribou up there and, you know, like you're saying that not, not much is touching the carcass while you're, well, there's people around, it seems anyways, it's a different, mm-hmm. they, they act different. I've noticed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh well, that's the one thing I noticed up there is that, um, the grizzlies didn't seem to bother, you know, the, the sheep and the, of course, how often do you see that anyway? And there was no sign of wolf. There was not a single sign of wolf in where we hunted. Um, never seen a single track, never heard howling, never seen, hmm. um, you know, I, I could, I would almost say there's no wolves there, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, <laughs> but there's certainly not people. an, yeah, there's not an abundance of wolves where we were hunting anyway. It just, it, it just wasn't a prevalence of it. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, right on. So you spent the next few days after dealing with that one, searching for one of your own. Were you seeing much sheep after that? Yeah, crazy. Like we thought, well, that valley's done. Like that drainage is gone, right? Like that, you know, we, we walked around there, you know, eventually we had to walk up and get, my, and, the, and the, the sheep did see us. Like we kind of, it was starting to get dark, but they, they seen us. So they kind of took off, but they didn't, I think there's, it's such a low pressure area. There's not a lot of hunting there that they don't, they're just not alarmed by people. Um, so, you know, I, I thought, well, we're not going to see any more sheep in that drainage. Well, we've seen sheep there every single day and lots of them. Like we've seen, we, we've seen a band of nine the next day. 
So we went back up the next morning just to check on Mike's. Uh, well, first of all, we want a glass and see if there was anything in there because there's those six rams, and I think in those six rams there was probably a couple of bigger rams in there. Um, the, the smaller group of eight, I think there was a, an eight-year-old in there. Had at one point we had him 150 yards and. Um, he was legal, but, um, you know, again, I wasn't really looking for, for that kind of class at that point. And, um, and so we kind of went up and yeah, sure. There were, there were Rams back there. I think there were three bedded that next morning that we seen. And, uh, and then, uh, as we're leaving and then we went and checked on Mike's meat. And then as we're leaving the Valley, some more fed up over the top and uh, there was eight or nine in the valley again, in that same valley where we just had killed Mike's ram. So we, we hiked up in behind him up onto a ridge line, and we were trying to get over to another drainage. And we were going to go up, uh, like, you, you either had to go way down or you had to stay up high. And it was pretty easy going up. So we climb up high, and we're hiking along uh, right on the ridge line, like not right on the ridge line, obviously not skylining. We were kind of just on the inside of the bowl, I guess. And for whatever reason, I don't know if those rams on the other side of the hill were nervous or curious or winded us, but four rams just came up and they walked right up like 150 yards from us. And were just looking at us and like, <laughs> and that, that eight, the eight year old was in there. That's when I had him at 150 yards, and it was like, I'm like, get out of here, you dummies, you know. <laughs> so they kind of watched us, and then so then we kept going along the ridge, and then we came on around the other side of the bull. And we started to drop down because we were going to cross, cross through another drainage to get into another bowl. And um, as we were dropping down, they came again. And four those four rams came and followed us, and they followed us down right into the into that bowl where we were the drainage where we were going to cross to that other bowl. And they they bedded there and they just hung out there. And so we dropped down there and um, dropped down two thousand feet of elevation to try and cross this drainage and there was a, a pretty serious river and it had a glacier on it and uh, we tried crossing and it was just, it was like, you know what, I, I'd like to get another sheep but I'm not willing to, to die for it. So um, we got down there, tried to cross and we just couldn't get across and we, we called our day and headed back to camp and just kind of glassed along the way and and uh, that's when we're kind of a little bit running out of options. Um, you know, there were a few other things that we could try, but um, that was that was kind of. And we knew we had two day hike back to camp, and that also, if we had a second ram, um, you know, we're we're gonna have to make two trips trying to get him back and forth. So it was gonna be like six days round trip. Like you're gonna be two days getting it back to camp, two days coming back to get the other ram, and then two days back to camp again. So basically needed a total of six days to get it done. And, uh, we were sort of losing the energy at that point. So, um, so yeah, we hunted up there a little bit more, spent the rest of that day. I think we got up the next morning, um, glassed, and then we, uh, we decided to pull, pull the pin and head back to camp. We couldn't go really early in the morning. It was so steep coming down that the morning dew, if it was any wet at all, you just, your legs would slip right out from underneath you. And, we figure we're probably a hundred pounds coming back. Um, between we each had about a hundred pounds, so there's probably about 40, 40 to forty five pounds of meat. Oh, so I got to back up. So remember, I ta- talked about Mike shooting the ram, right? And he turned broads or he turned like straight away from us, and he shot again. Yeah, dude, you're not gonna like. 
and listeners, you don't have to believe this, and I wouldn't believe it, but he shot, and he said all all he had was his his backside, right? There was nothing else to shoot at, and he the thing all he could think about was losing this ram, and so he shot, and literally it w- was within a quarter of an inch of his the middle of his ass. It was just a little bit off, and it went up all through his like below his spine. And it went into his head and broke his jaw. It never came out the head. It's stuck in his skull. So <laughs> we we skinned them out and like you know processed them, and there was not an ounce of meat lost. We didn't lose an ounce of meat. And he shot him through the ass. Like I like what are the chances of that? Like I, I very slim. Like it's unbelievable. We took all the meat. We got every piece of meat. I don't think we lost anything. There might have been a little bit on the one hind quarter, like where it was, you know, how it gets bloodshot, and we just trimmed a little bit of it, but it wasn't, it didn't shoot it. It wasn't, it just, yeah, it was incredible. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Yeah, that's, uh, what what do they call that? The good old Texas heart shot. The Texas heart shot. It was, (laughs) and Mike's like, I hate that shot, but he's like, all I could think about was him running over that ridge and dropping off and like, down into a glacier or something where we couldn't recover him, and uh, and he thought for sure there was going to be some meat loss, and um, so on the way out, I was kind of cursing them for being so bloody accurate because the packs were <laughs> bloody heavy. But, Did he? Uh, no, we we're super happy. You guys take the hideout or is it just euro? So Mike's got uh, what does he have? I think he's got. Two other dolls that he's killed. He he did a guided hunt in the in the Yukon actually with Dixon Outfitters. That was his first doll sheep, and uh, shot a nice eight year old with um, with Dixon. He was hunting with Dave Dixon, the owner of the outfit. Um, Dave's a legend, obviously, as many people know. And um, so they actually got on a giant, but they couldn't get him killed. So ended up shooting a nice eight year old. And so Mike did a full butt, or he did a shoulder mount on that one. And then the last one we did was a beautiful ram. We shot a gorgeous ram last time we were up there 10 years ago, 38 inches, and a nice, heavy um, ram, lamb tips on that one. And um, did a nice pedestal mount. So he's like, I don't really want to do another mount. Like he goes, I think I'm just going to euro it. And what happened was he found a, a Trapper Nelson online, um, oh. like on Craigslist or something. So he bought the Trapper Nelson. So he's going to do the old, you know, Packer thing. He's going to get the Hudson Bay blanket and, and, do the so he's like he said so his what he's going to donate the cape to the society so um we uh we we fleshed him out or we we skinned him out so we took it for a shoulder mount and uh we're going to bring it back and then we'll probably see that on live auction this winter or some sort of auction this winter because he's going to donate to the society and so you know that's kind of cool because we we hop, hop, hop carried the i carried the bloody thing off the mountain and fleshed it and everything. So it's, um, comes with a lot of TLC and a lot of love to get that back here. Right. And, uh, um, I was half thinking about doing uh, a replica and then mounting like using the Cape and mounting it myself. And then I'm like, I just, yeah, something feels right. It's not, it's not your sheep, right? You just, even <laughs> though you were there for every part of it, Mike said, shoot it. You feel like it's your sheep, but it's just, it's not your sheep. So it's like, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. So Mike's going to donate that back to the society. So we just need to, we got to figure out, maybe talk to Darcy East there and see if Darcy can tan it up for us and we'll bring it and see if we can raise some money for conservation. So. Well, now that he's been called out on a podcast, he's going to have to. 
<laughs> oh, he, he, that was the first thing he said. I'm probably not going to do a, a mountain. And he goes, if I don't, I'm definitely donating to the society for sure. So, yeah. Fantastic. So, it's got a little bit of yeah. stelter sweat in there. So it should, you know, high value item. <laughs> yeah. Sweat and tears, buddy. There were tears too. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Happy tears, sad tears, tired tears. <laughs> tired tears for sure. I'll tell you that right now. Holy crap. So, yeah, awesome. we figured we were probably 100 pounds. And it was just absolutely treacherous coming off that mountain. Like, you're literally uh, hanging on to, you know, uh, alder and buck brushes. You're coming down. And, uh, like, I use – do you use poles when you're sheep hunting? Yeah. Yeah. I got poles. Yeah. And, I, you know, those things were invaluable. Like, and there's at times there's – like, in that thick shit, about 10% of the time, you're like, oh, I hate poles. But 90% of the time, you're like, thank God I've got poles. Um and coming down, there was times where like you got you got in the wrist strap and you're just grabbing from like alder to buck brush and just and then there's times that Mike said he, the one time he fell and he was like he just started going and he's like there's one barrel roll there's two barrel rolls he just start counting them and laughing going whatever like I may die I may break something I have no control it's it's gone like so you it just, doesn't really matter right just got to ride it out and hope for the best yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when we thought that hike down was going to be the worst, but it wasn't. It got worse after that. So, um, yeah. <laughs> How was the water crossing after all that? T- it was and, not good, buddy. No? Still uh, gambling with your life? Uh, it was way worse. Um, oh, so now we spent three or four days of really hot temperatures, and uh, the melt was on. And, you know, we, I, we kept I kept watching the water from up top like the crossing and going oh it doesn't look bad it doesn't look as narrow like or it looks it doesn't look as because there was a little island in the middle and the island kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger i'm like oh i I don't think it's bad at all i shit you not the river had completely changed directions it had gone it had moved like 40 or 50 feet and like those glacial rivers they just erode right um and it just like and and it did change from when we were there from 10 years ago that made sense so of course over 10 years and i know like over months or over years, certainly it's going to change. It was literally changing overnight. Like we got down there and we thought, well, let's just test it when we got down there. And right away I'm like, Jesus, this doesn't look very good, Mike. Like I, I don't think we're going to have much luck here. And he's like, yeah, I don't think so either. So um, he, he, um, I, I, I just started dipping my toe in and there was just no way like it was just so fast like and immediately you put your pole in and and you couldn't even get your pole stuck in the water it was just like the the um the water was taking it and uh so we're like you know we're not we're not doing it tonight and by this time it was dark it was like literally the sun had set it was we could barely see and like and we're freaking exhausted after having hiked for 12 hours with 100 pounds on our back so we're like okay let's go to bed so we set up camp, and we set up camp like about 10 feet from the the edge of the river. Well, we woke up, and we're like three feet from the edge of the river. like, And we're like, holy crap, man. And we're just freezing. Like, like you, you don't – well, I didn't realize, and I, I'm an idiot, and people can call me out for this, but I just didn't realize how much colder it was being that close to the water. Like, you know, we, we camped like 100 feet from the water before, and 100 feet versus 10 feet is a big difference. I can tell you that right now. It was just so cold that night. The next night, we you know we camped 100 feet away, and it was fine, right? So um, 
that was a cold night, but woke up and the, again, the river kind of changed direction. It eroded a bunch on the bank near us. Um, so in the morning we got up and we're like, okay, should be way better. Should be down. No, it was just boiling. And it was like, so I tried crossing on foot. Um, Mike tried crossing like in the, we had the little, the little dinghy, the inflatable. He tried crossing. And in the first place we put in, it was just, you'd start going. And then as soon as the current took you, it just, it was rough and you just go sideways and go straight down. So we, we found kind of the, the widest spot that we thought would give us the best chance. Mike got in the boat and he just rode like a mother as hard as he could. And he gets about three quarters of the way across, snap, or busts in half. <laughs> oh, and we're like, oh, shit. We're like, this is a problem. So, of course, we got ropes on the boat. I pulled the rope back. He's still in it. And we're like, oh, we're screwed now. Like, how are we going to do this? So I tried crossing on foot, tried all these different spots. Couldn't do it. Tried going up, like, you know, use the current to your advantage. So where it would take you to the other side, we just tried time and time and time again. We tried for hours, like probably four hours. Um, and then and then Mike's like, okay. So then what we did is we, we packed everything up. And we went half a mile upstream. We just went as far upstream as we could. And it was more braided up there. But the, this last spot was really dodgy to try and get across. And uh, this was kind of our last go. Like we were like, and we were thinking, well, we're just going to have to sit here and wait for cooler temperatures. Like there's nothing we can do. Or we're pretty much screwed. Um, like aside from getting a helicopter in, there's not much you can do, right? Which we know what happens with that. And um, so um, Mike's like, okay, I'm going to try and, go across with a single oar i'll just row like a mother as hard as i can and just like with a single oar in hand and so he did that uh he got across to the other side and he's like five feet from the other side and he starts to go and he just bailed out of the boat and into the water <laughs> and uh and then he's scrambling up and he got up and into so kids don't don't do this at home. Like do as I say, not as I do. Um, it was pretty sketchy, but uh, he got beat up a little bit. But uh, and it was cold, but it was a lot more shallow than in the middle of it, and managed to get across. And then we were able to throw the rope across, and then we could shuttle our stuff. So we we got the boat across, and that was a major effort. That that was like, uh, yeah, a huge deal. But now the downside is is that what had happened is the river had changed course and. It was right up against the bank of like a cliffed area, which precluded us from getting to where our camp was. We were literally where we were standing. We were 50 feet, maybe 100 feet from our camp, but we couldn't, we couldn't cross there because it was so intense. And then we crossed further upstream, but there was a cliff there in between us. And we, we, we came down to the cliff and we're like, oh, if we could just get over this cliff, but it was like 40 feet up. And we're like, well, we could rope up there, but then you got to go, go 40 feet across and we had all our gear, like we had guns and we had like our meat and all our gear. And then and then it was kind of sketchy and we're like, and if you fell, you fell straight into the river and the river was like roaring and like it goes out to the main river and it's not going to be good for anyone. <laughs> so so we um, we just said, you know what, there, there was a height of land and it was really steep. It was about 250 feet of elevation and it was... You know, you look at it, it looks straight up. Um, it was kind of cliffy, but there was trees on it. And we just said, you know what, this is all we, so we emptied our packs. We, we got down to about, you know, we did it in two trips and um, 
put the stuff on our back, climbed up the the height of land and and really sketchy. And but again, there was trees and everything. You could hang on to stuff, and you had some handholds. And then we had to cross the height of land, and we had to do that too. So that took us another. On top of that, once we got across the river, it took us another ten hours to get back to camp with everything. Um, so we say, and it's true, it took us twenty four hours to go a hundred feet, and it really. Really, no, we didn't just go the hundred feet. We went the long way around, but we did manage eventually to get everything back to camp. But it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a nasty one. But I can't imagine trying to pull another ram off that mountain. It would have been. <laughs> I, I was. Everyone's like, "Why didn't you shoot one?" I'm like, "Well, then you shoot it and carry it off the mountain yourself." <laughs> yeah, well, luckily, it's almost lucky that you didn't shoot a shoot a ram when you get down and have to deal with that water. That's. Uh, adds to the adventure that's the uh the type two fun we all preach anyways on why we're all dumb and backcountry hunters <laughs> yeah yeah for sure well it definitely is a test of your metal and and it makes for an exciting uh exciting outing for sure so and you know that that's what if sheep hunting was easy then everybody would do it right and uh i think that's a cool thing is when you do accomplish it it feels pretty darn good even if you don't get to pull the trigger right yeah, absolutely. It's always good to be along for the ride and sharing the adventure with somebody. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So no double headers for me this year, but uh, quite happy. And um, I'll tell you though, um, when we got back to camp, we I cooked up the tenderloins. Oh, the best uh, meat experience I've ever had in my life. Both Mike and I were like, you know, you always pull out the the back straps and the tenderloins so it was the tenderloins and they it just was decadent absolutely decadent just like melt in your mouth and just the best meat ever by far so it's pretty uh pretty rewarding yeah it's uh it's always something at the end of a hunt like that when you you have that little piece of meat and it's it's just a whole nother level when you're out there you, it's it's yeah. if you haven't experienced it it's almost impossible to explain you the you can't put the words together to just everything. You feel it through your entire body, I find. Just. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, pretty uh, pretty amazing sitting there and you got the ram right in front of you and you're just kind of paying homage to, to that animal that gave its life and, and just eating that meat and just like, oh, it's, just, it's decadent. It doesn't get any... Does it, that's that for me epitomizes what sheep hunting is is when you sit back and you have that and you can sit there and look at what you accomplished and you know and you go you're out there with a buddy and in those extreme circumstances all those challenges and you just work together and you you don't kill each other you know you think in a situation like that it be you know it's so stressful and there's so many challenges and stuff and um, yeah it's sort of yeah it's pretty gratifying for sure so. So the real question, did you have a little flask of Chadwick out there with you? <laughs> no. You know, that's the one thing I, I've i never done is I've never taken – well, I, well, actually, I have taken booze with me. I Sometimes I'll fly some stuff into base camp. But we did that uh, the last – not – yeah, the last two years, I guess, we've flown like a six-pack of beer in and thrown it in the river and then like and just left it where we got dropped off with the airplane, right? And uh, – but, you know, two years ago it was we had some beer and we'd hiked off the mountain. It was a long day. We'd spent all day hiking. Got back to camp. And we both cracked a beer and we had a couple sips and we're like, didn't even enjoy it. Like, I think we poured our beer out and went to bed. We were just so bloody exhausted. And, and then we had a morning pickup, right? So, 
That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So you waited until but, you got to Watson. Uh, yeah, exactly. But that's the one thing is with those inreaches, um, you know, they they are a lifesaver because, um, you know, we, of course, we messaged that we were going to come out a little bit earlier. We came home a few days early, said, pick us up on this date. And then when we couldn't cross the river, we're screwed. And uh, we just didn't reach the guy and said, hey, you know, pick us up tomorrow. Like we can't get out. And, uh, you know, it's so easy to do. And that, that inreach is such a handy tool, man. I couldn't, couldn't do it without it. Well, you could, but it's be a heck of a lot harder, right? Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm in love with my inreach, especially if you split up with your partner and then they, they message and you can just press the button, take you right to them. And it's perfect for the planes. If you switch spots, they, they know where you are and they know where to find you. Yeah. What do you, um, what, what inreach do you use? Like what unit? It is, oh, it's the big, the big one, um, the, the plus. Okay. Yeah. 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 Do you like it? Yeah, I enjoy it because I, it's got the mapping on it. I don't have to have my cell phone with me. I don't, don't need to take it out of my pack if I have my phone with me for camera. It's, I'm, I'm a believer in it and my, uh, my brother and my dad each run one as well. Okay. Well, I, I've been using that, um, like the original one, the SE, I think it's called. Like, um, like it's just a tiny, like, well, not the small, small unit. Um, and uh, it's, uh, Mike's got the brand new one, right? Like the one with, uh, and it's just so much, the, uh, yeah, so much easier and so much better to use. So I, that may be the one unit I upgrade this year. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I a couple times I used his, and I was like, oh, wow, this is pretty sweet. So, Yeah, lot, lots of options out there, but that, that mapping feature without needing your phone, I think, is, uh, I don't know, that that's for me. One less thing to worry about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I brought my phone because I keep my maps on it. Like I got Fat Maps on there. I got Onyx on there. And... Um, and then, of course, halfway up the mountain, I pull my stuff out for whatever reason to check on. I check my phone, and it's on, and it's like at thirty percent. Like, <laughs> great, yeah, that's that's a handy thing to have. So, carried that brick around for for uh, ten days and didn't need to, or eight days. So, anyway, nothing like some useless weight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, sat in my uh, tent back at uh, at Spike Camp, but. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah, I don't know. Somehow it got turned on, but yeah, it doesn't that always happen, right? So, did you end yeah. up picking up a a camera, bringing it with you, or was your cell phone your camera? No, I didn't even bring a camera, dude. It was uh, like our packs were so bloody heavy, and I'm just like Mike. Like, Mike's got a great camera. I'm like, okay, dude, you have to take lots of pictures, and and he did a good job. So the nice thing is with him having the camera, there's always just pictures of me, right? So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I brought my video camera. Um, and, um, but I actually ended up not taking up the mountain. I just left it base camp and, um, I, I really feel like we didn't miss too much. So, and I, I got set up with that new, um, uh, oh, what do you call, call those mounts that you put on your spotting scope, um, that you can take like digiscoping? The, 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 digi- uh, the mag view or the, the mag view. Yeah, phones. exactly. So Corey picked me up a mag view, Corey Green. And, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to use it. And I got, I kind of was playing with it and get acquainted with it, but then never ended up using it. I just, uh, 
you know, it's one of those things you get on cheap and then you're like, oh, he's legal. And then you're like shooting, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. You don't want to yeah. be one of those, those people that have to worry too much about the camera and get that out and miss your opportunities. Well, I look at guys like Adam Foss and Jesse Bone and stuff. Those guys, like, you know, you're waiting for the perfect shot and to get the animal and the people. And that's just next level, man. Like, it's incredible that those guys could do that. It's just phenomenal. I've, I've, I can't even do it when someone else is hunting and I'm just videoing. I can't even get a good shot. So uh, to be able to pull that off is really, really impressive. Yeah. Well, we've been lucky enough, too, to talk with quite a few people that are on even their own shows. And you listen to their stories and it's the cameraman saying, no, you can't shoot. I can't yeah. see it. You're not allowed to shoot. It's like, well, <laughs> what? We mean I can't yeah. shoot. It's, yeah. But, I don't know. Not yeah, not for me level. anyways. <laughs> but it's uh yeah. all the power to the people that are able to to capture those moments. It's it's quite the talent. Yeah, it's impressive for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So so there we go, buddy. We got uh what are we calling this one? I think a monarch for a monarch. Um just uh pretty I'm I'm super happy for Mike, you know, he works so hard and he he gives a lot for conservation. The society cares deeply about these animals and um, got a lot of respect for that guy. And uh, so cool to see him, you know, get a sheep like that. It's pretty, pretty darn exciting to be, to be part of that and watch that all go down and, and get the privilege of carrying that beast off the mountain with him. It's pretty exciting. So. Yeah. Luckily you were there firsthand experience and uh, were able to share the story with us as best you could. Yeah, for sure. We'll have to get him on next time. He's uh, he's a pretty quiet guy and pretty modest. So, um, but uh, I tell you, he was he was sure happy when when we got that one back to camp. And yeah, me too. It's just uh, it's pretty amazing. And to see fourteen doll sheep, like um, for anyone that that I don't know, I know a lot of guys have seen it and done it. But when you see fourteen doll doll rams on the mountain like that, just that white majestic beast on the hill like that and see so many of them it's just like it's breathtaking it's all inspiring it's just amazing so don't see enough of that it's pretty amazing when you get to see it yeah right on envious maybe one day i'll get that draw yeah yeah for sure so it's uh it's definitely a good time and good it's a good workout for sure so (laughs) well i think that's a a good note to end on there buddy and uh Congratulations to uh, you and Mike. You know, it's not yours, it's yours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I can't take credit for it, but uh, I'll pose with it and pretend it's mine. So Perfect. uh, Pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing some other stories out there. And I know there's some really nice stone sheep that have hit the ground already. I've seen some really, really good sheep down. So it looks like uh, there's some good sheep out there already. Pretty exciting for sure. So absolutely and so this is dropping on the 16th so we have jurassic um in two days and you're going to count count sheep right uh we might uh we might need to cancel that we'll talk is that right (laughs) yeah i think it's i think it's going to be canceled that's there's some issues in there and some weather and fire hazards and whatnot so oh yeah yeah uh, sure yeah it's it's not looking good at the moment, so. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, get to take the weekend off. You can go scouting. So. Yeah, well, I'm in my my new place, so I uh, I might have some work to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, this one you're recording on the on your front step or something. You said you're on your front deck. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Hopefully, it didn't uh, come through too bad. I'm in my backyard, uh, fairly enclosed in a little glass solarium kind of deal. But uh, I got no furniture in my house, so I've got patio furniture right now. Um, it's just we're waiting for a container to show up tomorrow. So I apologize to anybody if uh, you can hear the trees rustling in the background or the water running uh, it's 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 tough the house is just one big echo box right now and dogs exactly. running around so the audio sounds pretty good actually you might have to record out there i, I think being in prince george in december you might have a hard time recording outside but uh yeah you have to get the fire going and sit next to a roaring fire so can, everybody can listen to the crackle <laughs> nice what's the temperature in george right now what was the high today oh it was around 30 today it's been uh, okay. That's a hot day. Yeah, I think well, actually today was probably high twenties. Yesterday was in the third was thirty two when I got in my truck. Anyways, okay. When do you take off um, on your hunt? Your September? Yeah, we're in the end of September. So going for the last couple weeks of September to go chase some caribou and hopefully connect some dots. I'm the only one going in that shot one. So there's a uh, a few people that got odds there hopefully they get on them <laughs> how many guys are going four of us there's gonna be four okay yeah nice yeah oh it's exciting yeah it's good to well yeah i'm envious man i love hunting caribou it's one of my faves it's such a cool hunt and they're such a cool critter right and um and they're not getting any easier to get after either right so i think get them while you can no exactly and there is uh there's a good population of stones in there where we are um you know, the last time I went there, we seen a ton of sheep, but nothing, nothing legal. But there's, there's been a couple pulled out of there since that I've seen that have some big crankers with their winter coats already starting. So, you know, maybe we get lucky. <laughs> hmm. That's awesome, man. Well, um, can't wait to hear about it. And what are, what are you doing for a training regime? Uh, right now, nothing. I am okay. waste wasting away i haven't even just been packing moving like we just came up to prince george last weekend so moving a house and a family starting a new job it's <laughs> i guess you can say yard work cutting trees and packing trees right now and trimming up the yeah. the property and getting ready and packing furniture in and out of the house and up and downstairs and <laughs> it's nice yeah. it's uh yeah i'm slacking i'll be in uh hopefully settled in the next couple of weeks here and i can start getting my legs underneath me getting out of the nice. building the high rises i can't just go up the stairs every day now yeah no doubt eh? yeah so. yeah for sure awesome buddy well totally stoked about uh, your hunt and uh for uh, our listeners thanks for tuning in and uh hopefully you had a couple laughs at my expense <laughs> sounds good enjoy it <laughs>